0: Welcome to another episode of Mrs. Motivation. I know it's been a long time since I've given you guys something to listen to, but I'm coming back with something super special today. I have with me my friend Steph Brontman. Say hello. Hi. So I am so thrilled to have Steph with me. Um, I've actually known her quite a few years now, I think since like 2014 almost and we started as beach body coaches we were on the same team um that was based out in texas funny enough because neither of us is from there and um we just clicked and we actually vacationed together once in texas that was a lot of fun and um i've just been able to watch Steph grow into this amazing woman. Um, I did have the pleasure of working with her for a few months. And um, just to see how far she's come is amazing to me. So um, as you guys know, I was a teacher um, like for 10 years, and I worked with children with disabilities, um, ages five to 21 and I am forever fascinated and super loving of people who suffer in this way. And as I got to know Steph, she came into the process of being diagnosed um, as autistic. And I just found it super fascinating. Um, I don't know if it's wrong for me to say, but I would say like, I didn't know, you know, like it's something that you wouldn't have been able to perceive in knowing her. She is extremely social. She throws herself into things. And these are just some of the things that you think about when you, when you think about autism. Um, but that's why I want her on today. I want her to talk about her journey and to share her experience and her wealth of knowledge um, about this with all of you. So just welcome, Steph. I'm so happy to have you.
1: Thanks. Happy to be here. Yeah.
0: So why don't you start by telling us, I guess, a little bit about yourself and um, I guess how you came to discover your diagnosis.
1: Yeah. So uh, like Christina said, my name is Steph. Um, I originally from the Chicago area, but I currently live in Northwest Washington. Um, and I I love it out here because nature is my, my happy place. So I have the mountains and the ocean and kind of best of everything. Um, and yeah, I am autistic, but I'm what people call like a late diagnosed autistic. I wasn't diagnosed um as a child, but I kind of I grew up knowing like people say, you know, everybody's different, but I I always had, I would tell someone like, no, I'm like, I'm different, but I I couldn't find the words to to say really what I meant because I didn't know anything about autism other than it's like the way it's portrayed in the media. And it wasn't a big thing when I was growing up, like it is now, I've always said that I think if I was born as me today, I would have been diagnosed younger, but Mm -hmm. I always just felt like when I was with my peers growing up and even in college and early adulthood, that there was something different about me than them. Like I was fundamentally different than most of the people around me, but I didn't know why, and I didn't know how to explain it other than just, it was this kind of gut, like innate sense that I had of something's up. It's not anything bad, but just there's something and I don't know what it is. And it was frustrating until I started to, to figure it out. So. um,
0: So what did that look like? The whole figuring it out?
1: So it actually, it started, um, two of my, uh, Former roommates back where I used to live um, down in California, one of them did actually kind of something similar to what you did, Christina. She wasn't a teacher, but she did work with um, with adults mostly who had different disabilities and challenges, and they needed somebody. She didn't work with them in a school setting, but she'd actually go to their homes and would kind of help them, you know, learn various life skills, but in their home and like take them grocery shopping and things like that. And she was talking about somebody who who was autistic and the way she was explaining him it kind of something kind of clicked of like oh I can really relate to that I can relate to those struggles like I kind of wonder and then I started going through a lot of the online tests and at the time there wasn't anything that I could find written by autistic people it was all like parents of and things like that and professionals but I didn't resonate with all of it but I resonated with a lot of it and it really what what were
0: some of those things just out of curiosity like what did what what clicked that day when she was talking that you're like whoa
1: i don't remember that specifically but just some of the stuff that i remember learning about was like um struggling with with coordination i've always struggled with with that and like spatial awareness i would run into things or like hit my head on something just because i literally didn't realize It was there um, struggling. Actually, it's funny you mentioned it with social things like it was really a lot of effort to put myself out there. And I would basically what I would do was mimic what other people were doing. So I, I never I always felt like one of the things that I remember reading is it felt like everybody had a copy of some instructions that I didn't get and everybody knew how to behave around other people and what the social norms were and things like that. And how to control the volume of your voice. People were always telling me I talked too loud and I literally didn't realize I was doing it. And there were just, just so many different things struggling to make like to make eye contact or like fidgeting a lot and just various other things that I was like, okay, this, this makes sense. This is just so many things that really started to, to click.
0: All right. Well, I think, you did an excellent job. I'm super proud of you for, you know, like putting, for always putting yourself in those situations where you're kind of pushing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess at the point where you are now self-diagnosing yourself with checklists, like you said, like a lot of things haven't been written by people who are autistic. It's mostly the parents of who are talking about what their experience is as a parent. but they're not physically in that body so i guess what pushed you to seek help in that way
1: so i was in um so my parents were really concerned about my struggles because like they didn't know about autism other than how it was portrayed in the media but they they saw me really struggling they saw me struggling in social situations because i was putting myself out there not that like I enjoyed it in certain settings, like big parties were never my thing. I always felt overwhelmed. I would always kind of sit in the corner. I was the one who'd go like if they had a dog at the house, I would go hang out with the dog all the time Um, and but they were getting really concerned. So I went to therapy to work on things and they actually diagnosed me as having social anxiety. But when I like when I would talk about like they had me write down things I was experiencing and it was and I would get the thing of, well you like you what you really meant was this and one of the things with autism is struggling with communication in various sense it's like mm-hmm. i can i know it but i literally can't think of the words to describe it correctly okay so i would just agree with he, the, the therapist and thinking maybe okay maybe i am thinking of it wrong but it never it never fully clicked and the more i started i actually started to read about people being misdiagnosed with social anxiety but it's really autism because he'd be like, you feel anxious with this. and like, no, I, I don't, but I, I had learned in society that you don't argue with people in authority. So I wouldn't argue with them. Right. I just, I just knew. And I found you almost somebody, like became like your own advocate basically. And I found, well, well, I, I fully support people who are self-diagnosed because they either can't find someone to fully diagnose them or they don't feel comfortable. I wanted to get that diagnosis if anything to kind of, just validate. Know, validate and let my parents kind of know of like, here, like when I've been saying I've been fundamentally different, here's why. Yeah.
0: And so now that, and, and now having that diagnosis, how has that helped you? And, and how old were you during this time where you're kind of like figuring this out?
1: Um, I was in my mid twenties. I think I was like 26 or oh, wow. 27, okay. Yeah. So like mid to late 20s um and it was like sometimes the word diagnosis is scary or a bad thing but in this right. case it was the best thing that could have happened to me because it was like it was finally having that that reason of under like getting that notice of yes i am different like i am the way i've always been feeling and the way i've experienced the world there's a reason for it like it it just made me feel so much better and that i finally didn't have to do what's called masking as much like I could finally I didn't have to try to pretend to be somebody that I wasn't and kind of acting all the time I was like I could start to speak up for myself and say it's I'm still working on that because the process of unmasking is really hard but at least on my own and to people that I trusted I could tell them and then that would also help them understand of like oh here because I was always kind of the like quirky weird kid like had had interests that weren't usually a like some that weren't quite age appropriate or like right. I, I just kind of could be perceived as immature. A lot of time people would be like, Steph, you don't get that. And I didn't know why. So this, this gave me an, a way to f- explain it in words that I otherwise didn't have.
0: Right. So you really leaned into it instead of just like feeling like, Oh my God, I'm not as good or I'm not as able. You're like, no, I'm able but I'm having this issue, and this is why, and this is who I am, and now I can fully be that person.
1: Yeah, ex- exactly. There's a show. It was on uh, TLC, I think. I don't know if it's still running. Called uh, "Little People, Big World."
0: Um, hello, and, I'm such a fan of the
1: Roloff family. <laughs> nice. Um, so I really liked it, and I always liked the shows about disabilities because it was kind. Of, even though I didn't, I'm well, I'm short, but I'm not a, technically a dwarf. <laughs> um, but. I always loved shows like that because it was showing people who were different from the rest of the world. So I kind of related yeah. to them in that sense of like, oh, okay, you know, here's people who aren't quote unquote normal. And one of the the tagline, at least in one of the in, initial like intro seasons was we can pretty much do what everybody else does, but just in a different way. And I really resonate with that because like, That's you know, the I, mom.
0: I, I, Amy said that. Yeah,
1: yeah. I can, I can have a job. I can, I can do all this. I can be active. I can do this but in a different way from other people. Yeah.
0: Right. That's really, that's really sweet. (laughs) I love to watch that stuff too, just because it's interesting. I think it's also, um, it kind of shows you a little bit about perspective. There are certain times where we can get caught up in the things we feel like we have to do or like, Instead of thinking about them as things like we get to do, like, you know, like we get to cook dinner for ourselves and for our family. And, you know, we get to do that easily. And then there comes this person into her kitchen and she literally has to drag her step stool everywhere. And she's got a picker for the things that are on the top shelf until they are to their home. But it's like it kind of like knocks you off your pedestal a bit. And you're like, you know what, I think I got to be humble because even though I feel like this is hard for me today there's somebody out there that's having their own struggle with this in a different way. You know what I mean? So I should just be more in gratitude or more appreciative.
1: Yeah. And, and also, especially at like, once I realized I was disabled also those shows, I took a different approach of like, they would ask for help. Like she was at the grocery store and like, you have to be like, it kind of showed me that it's okay to ask for help and to speak up for, for your needs because you are different, especially somebody like me, where it's not like, oh, they can, like, as you said, you can't tell I'm autistic because there's no right. way, like physical way to tell. Right. But I, it's, so that takes a little more effort of being able to speak up for my needs. But even if it's something like asking my, like asking a roommate, Hey, could you please like use a different shampoo or close the door when you shower? Because the smell is really overwhelming to me or using headphones when it gets too loud. It's, it's realizing that, you need to speak up for your needs because people, right. people otherwise they don't know that you need help and it right. can help you if they don't know.
0: Right. And it's also like people think like, oh, she has autism. This is the range of capabilities that she's able to achieve. So you're living on your own, you're living with roommates, like you're able to still do and be the person that everybody else is. It just looks different
1: yeah and and that's that's part of it too is like autism especially up until recently when they've become like that's been one of the the blessings of social media is for people who might have a harder time like getting their message out is kind of breaking down those autism stereotypes and like the whole like diff, even the different ways to to talk about it and like that there's there's no one way to be autistic like that's the even the idea of a spectrum people there used to be these freight like these terms of like the functioning labels of you like I used to describe myself as high functioning autistic and then there was low functioning but basically the spectrum doesn't go from like high to low and things like that it's more a color wheel of like people struggle in certain areas versus others like I really struggle in the movement and coordination department but I can speak really well versus there's people like the other season on American Ninja Warrior, there was somebody who went really far who was autistic and he was obviously incredibly coordinated and I couldn't even imagine doing stuff like that. So it's basically like I think of myself as more of a rainbow. Like I, if you look at it like a color wheel, so like maybe right. if, if red is speech, like I have a lot of red, but then executive functioning like being able to plan things out day to day and, right. and some of the the stuff that people take for granted I really struggle with that so let's say if that's orange I have very low orange so that's kind of right like
0: so the- it's not that like you're a high functioning autistic person it's so how so how would you So like for me, that's how I used to say like, oh, I work with some high functioning students and I work with some low functioning students. But now that you've talked about this color wheel, I love that concept. I don't know if that's something you came up with yourself, but that is brilliant because there were some high functioning students that had a really difficult time in certain areas, but you still consider them to be high functioning because they're able to like walk and talk and do all these things but when it came to you know certain like you said executive functions and things like that or even um you know activities of daily living it was difficult so like so I just love the color wheel I just wanted to comment and say that that's like brilliant so in what would you say like if I had said to you oh you're a very high functioning autistic person how would you correct me
1: so the autistic person is great. And like, there are some people who say they're a person with autism, but to me, like my autism is not something I can remove. So I love that you said autistic person. Cause it's like, like I'm a well, person. You who- taught
0: me that because my students, when I was working, this is what we were taught at the time. And maybe it has changed because I have been out of the teaching game for four years and terminology does continually change. Obviously we've come so far from retardation all the way up to now we're, subcategorizing, we don't use that term anymore. Now we're saying autism. And when I left work, um, I was saying I have students with disabilities, or a child with autism, because that was supposed to be like, the the child was this like perfect thing. And then it was like, but they have au- with autism. And it's like, yeah. they they aren't their disability. That's how I was taught. So please correct me and educate me.
1: Yeah. So, well, so with that, basically the way I think of that one, so I'll get to the functioning in a second, but basically the way I think of that is for one thing, it kind of portrays autism as something that's almost bad. It's like, Oh, they're like you said, like they're this awesome kid, but then they have this thing, but being autistic is part of my whole being like the way I think of it. um, Somebody that I follow. And I think this is becoming more common to learn this because people like me where autistic people are getting platforms now to, to share with the world, how we feel is like, if I'm wearing like a sweatshirt, I'm a person with a sweatshirt on, I can take that sweatshirt off. I can't take off autism. Awesome. Autism affects everything of how I, how I perceive the world and how I function. So that's, that's to me, like I have other quote unquote disabilities, um, things that are common with autistic people. We typically have comorbidities other things we have going on. And those, I will say like with those things, I haven't figured out a way to, not do that but at the same time if i can they are a part of me but in terms of the functioning the the background of that is actually kind of rooted in ableism like the high functioning is how can you participate in society like if right. you're so like people would use high functioning cuz like you said you could walk or you could talk or you could you know have a job but to me high functioning the reason why we don't use functioning labels is like it's kind of taking away who you are like just because you're lower functioning people who are low functioning or what you say is low functioning is usually you couldn't, you couldn't talk. That was kind of a big thing, but with the like um, devices that are out there now that allow people to talk, like there's a lot going on. Just like, yeah, speech speech is only one form of, of communication. There's a lot more. It's so funny to say
0: that. I have this wonderful girl. Her name was Lainey and she was confined to her wheelchair but she had this Dynabox and she did not have control. Was very spastic movement, didn't have much control over her body, but she could control her eyes, right? Mm-hmm. And she found this Dynabox that I'm pretty sure it was a Dynabox and um, it tracked her eyes and she was able to type and she was able to talk. Have, she, I took care of her after work. I got so attached to this girl and she was, what they considered, she's a high functioning student, but she couldn't, she had no control over her body. She couldn't care for herself in any way. Technically, you know, if you're looking at a person and labeling and doing all the whole thing, Mm -hmm. but she was very high functioning. So I, that's, I'm just like now seeing the light. I feel like that you're kind of shedding so much on this because it's like, instead of thinking of her like that, I just, it gives yeah. you a way to look at these children in such a different way.
1: Yeah. Like it's like, especially to me, one of the things I think of is, yeah, yeah. Um, is it's like, I'm so glad that these terms went away because when people would say I was so high functioning for me, that all that equal was higher stress is like, okay, I was labeled as this. So now I have to really mask and really put in so much of an effort to, to maintain that and to like, quote unquote, convince the world that, you know, I'm fine. I'm just like you and all that versus when I finally dropped that label. And as, and as autistic people, we've advocated for getting rid of those labels and they pretty much are, um, is now I can, I can be me. So like, I can, like, I am able to, to earn a living, but I can do it in a way that works for me. And I can stand up and say like, I don't have to do things this way because I literally can't instead of doing it to the point of, of burnout, which is what I was doing. And it was just so stressful to keep up that persona that at some point you just, you can't do it anymore.
0: Right. And so I kind of want to talk about that. Well, I do want to ask how your parents felt about this and what your relationship with them has been like um even not just with your parents like with your friends ever since your diagnosis like what do those relationships look like
1: so with my with my parents one parent like it is definitely taken more effort than than the other but they're really both starting to to come around and especially as i've like i said gone through the process of unmasking of literally taking off the mask of being this neurotypical or like like basically that means like every the average person and advocating for my needs like just recently i was um visiting them and my mom was like i'm very sensitive to artificial fragrances my mom had that in her shampoo and i literally had to tell her like i need you to to use something else because this is giving me a headache it's making me feel nauseous i can't i can't function and she said okay and she was willing to to make that change or like i said you're like this is like these lights are too bright i need to be somewhere else like i'm they're they're respecting that it's not me. I feel like as a kid, when I would say those things, like if I sat behind, I have a, a sister who we don't, um, she doesn't really respect my diagnosis, so we don't talk, but I would sit behind her in the car if, if, and after she had showered, smell is a big thing for my senses. Right. And I kept asking, like I said, it was too much. And my parents, as a kid, um, would just kind of blow it off, or I was being too sensitive or whatever. So I think they're finally realizing without trying to make them feel guilty for it because they didn't know right. that like, no, all these things that I was doing, like, as my mom likes to say, there's a method to my madness. There was a reason why
0: right. I was doing
1: that. And they're finally, they're finally realizing that, that. Like when I say I need a break or like, I'm done. It's not that I'm just being lazy. If I'm like, it's like, no, my brain is done. And right. with friends, um, some were able to accept it. Some some weren't, and because, like I said, it's not something I can just—I can't turn it off. I can't take it off, nor would I want to, because I don't like—I literally don't know any other way to be. Right. Is the people who who can't accept it? I, those aren't people unless it's like somebody I have to work with. Those aren't people that I want in my life, because to me, if you can't accept that I'm autistic, you can't accept who I am. Like that's, it'd be saying right. like, oh, you don't like that I have brown hair. Like that's—it's that much of a right a thing. It's who it's I am, who you are. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you're very good at creating boundaries now. I see.
1: Yeah, very, very much so. And even um, actually have a, a a service dog and it's, it was really hard at first to, to bring him out to places. Cause I would get a lot of questions about him and, you know, he, he's not a typical looking service dog. He's a little, little small, uh, fluffy white dog. He's not like your German shepherd or your lab. And <sighs> I, I literally had somebody one time um, who said like, basically like, what's wrong with you? Why are you here? And I was like, why do you have him? And I was like, you know, I said, that's none of your business, but at first it was really hard. And I would leave him at home and I would do other things and try to navigate without him. But he, he helped me so much that now it's like, you know what, if they, if they can't accept him, then that's, that's their problem, not mine. So.
0: Wow. That's amazing. It's good. You stick up for yourself and you're right. It is nobody's freaking business. Like how dare they, you're not even supposed to approach a, a service animal, to be honest. Yeah. So that's, to even approach the person and then disrespect it further. I'm sorry that, that you had that experience.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's common. And that's part of the problem too, is there are times where it's like, if I'm running into the grocery store for a couple of things, it's almost like I run the risk of if I bring him, like, just like anybody else, I want, sometimes I want to, I don't want to sit there and talk about him other times I do and people are like like I want to let people touch him but other like if they ask and I say it's okay but other times like I want to just get in get my stuff and go I don't want to be stopped five times of like oh tell me about your dog and all that so it's yeah it's yeah. hard but it's the education I've actually even had somebody on his vest literally read it out loud and it says oh do not pet and then they go down to start petting him so it's it's educating society but it's it's we're yeah, so no wonder you have
0: created boundaries. It seems like you have to, you know. Yeah, yeah, and that's nice. That sounds like empowering too. That you're able to stand in that truth and be like, "Don't pet." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what it says. So, uh, as far as like you've talked about, like going to the grocery store, your living situation, like how was work for you? How are you able to navigate your job situation prior to what you're doing now?
1: So it was always really hard. Like I, what I, what my degree, I have two degrees actually. And what they're in is nothing that I'm doing right now. Cause I, I kind of like, as a kid, my dream job was to be a vet, but it was more like, I, I literally, in some ways, autistic people are, we're kind of childish in a sense of we see the world in black and white. And it's like, if you see it one way, like it's, it's sometimes harder to see the gray areas and we can Mm -hmm. be more naive just cause we don't have that life experience. Right. Um, but like, so for me, be, I wanted to be a vet because it seemed like you could, you could run your own place. So I could do things my way and I'd get to work with animals. I always related to animals better than people. Like literally that's one of the first things I remember is how much I loved animals. Right. And then I wanted to work outside. And like, I kept basically wanting to have more of the non-traditional things. Like the idea of like what my dad used to do. Where you'd go, like you get dressed up in clothes that weren't comfortable and you'd go to an office and you'd sit there. And I just, I literally, I couldn't understand how to do that. Like that was, that was never something that I liked. Like I, I didn't like having to wear like fancy clothes and all that before I understood the sensory reasons behind it. I just knew I didn't like it. Right. So I kept trying to find different jobs that worked and I kept every single job I would always struggle some more than others. And it was the sort of thing of, because I didn't know it was like, why are like, why don't you get this? Why can't, and people would basically say that to me. And I would say that to myself of like, I'm capable, like I'm I'm smart. Why can't I figure this out? And eventually it just, once I finally realized my diagnosis, then I was able to speak up a little bit more, but it was still, it's also kind of that tricky area of if you reveal it, like how much can you reveal how much come, like, like what kind of accommodations in- right. could even,
0: and then what are the repercussions of you being honest and how are people going to think of you or now what are, you know, Yeah, are they going to treat you differently?
1: Yeah. And it's sometimes not even knowing yourself what you need. It's like, I've had, right. I've had that at jobs of like, I just, I, I've always been pretty intuitive with things and I just kind of, I knew this wasn't working and I knew I needed something different, but so like, even I had the the last boss that I had before I'm doing what I'm doing now, he'd even say like, how can I help you? How can I support you? And I literally didn't know. I just knew it wasn't a good fit, but I, I didn't even, I couldn't think of a way to make it better other than not being
0: there. Right. Which is actually amazing and how, like, obviously we've always stayed in touch, but you came to me like kind of around that time, I want to say, where you're approaching burnout and you were like, I need a change, which I thought was just wonderful. And just realizing that a lot of people don't get to that point until like, you know, they're ready to retire. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it's just nice that you knew what you wanted and then we were able to, kind of like work through that together and um so that you could do what you're doing now so I guess you should tell people a little bit about what that looks like
1: yeah so yeah I mean the the burnout basically it was from based masking and trying to to be someone I'm I'm not and even though I was I've I've worked virtually long before the the pandemic hit and everything like that so that was one of the things that I advocated for myself because I I knew I needed to be in my own environment and wear comfortable clothes and, you know, have my dog around and all that stuff. So I had that, but the type of work I was doing just wasn't a good fit. And I was trying to, I like, I had to really like communicate well. And I had to, my, it was, um, torture for my executive function. It was just managing way too much. And I basically, what I had always known is without realizing it is I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Like I wanted, I wanted to have a business that I could run things my way and, and like create our, I mean, obviously if I'm going to work with people, I can't, you know, be expecting someone to be up at two o'clock in the morning or like weird hours like that. But, but basically like not feel the pressure to be put into a situation that didn't fit. And that's not to speak for all autistic people. Like we, we do have, there's a pretty high level of unemployment among autistic people because of either the office environment or coworkers or things like that. And we have a hard time. A lot of us do of trying to like, if, if it's not work that you enjoy, it's not like we're the sort of people that can sit there for the most part and force yourself to do something. Right. The concentration won't be there. The focus won't be there. And it does lead to, to burnout. My parents, I remember when I was struggling would be like, Oh, maybe cause I had some jobs that didn't pay well, like get a second job. And I just knew like, there's no way. No way yeah. I, I can handle it. And I I felt bad because, you know, so many people would say like I have two or three jobs and I couldn't tell them why, but I just, I knew like, I can't be that person. It's, I literally won't, won't survive. So right now I've started, I do um, websites and Shopify stores and virtual assistant stuff, which can be anything like a, a large client I have right now. I, I help them with, um, with even their QuickBooks and entering orders in and customer service and tracking and invoicing and all that stuff. So it's kind of all of the like behind the scenes stuff that don't, that don't involve like brokering deals and things like that. (laughs) like Basically things that don't involve a lot of the big social skills and stuff like that. I'm the one that, that I want someone to be like, wow, how did that get up there? And I know how to, to do all the like the logic and the step-by-step kind of stuff.
0: That's great.
1: Yeah. And you also have a blog. Yeah, yeah, I have a vlog a, a on, um, on my life as an autistic person because I, w- like I said, when I was just discovering my diagnosis, I didn't, every single blog pretty much that I had out there was written like either by, you know, a professional who had researched autism and they were the expert or like the parent of somebody with autism or, or an autistic person and it would be really hard because they would see one thing, but it's like, they're describing what they think's going on, but you're not in that person's head. And right. as I say, like, this isn't my phrase. So I wish I could take credit for it, but it's like, if you've met one person with autism, then you've met one person with autism or one autistic person. Um, that yeah. was how I used to say it. I got to change the phrasing in my own mind. Cause when I got my diagnosis, that's what I saw too is person with autism. Right. But that was not written by autistic people. So if you've met, like every autistic person's different, but we all share commonalities on that color wheel, which I wish I could take credit for that idea too. But it's, it is a really helpful one. My brain works in analogies. So I love that, but
0: it really was helpful for me. Yeah. It just changes the way that I look at things.
1: Yeah. So it's like a spectrum of colors versus a spectrum of like a lot. High to low. Right. Yeah. But yeah. So like the, I, I use my blog and my other social media platforms to kind of to basically be for somebody like me, what wasn't there, if that makes sense. Like I would have loved to have stumbled across that. And I would have related to what the content that I've put out and been like, Oh, here's somebody who's going through the things that I'm going through, maybe like, like seeing those similarities and stuff like that. Versus if you're reading a blog from a parent, it's like, Oh, they're struggling with this. And I'm like, well, that doesn't sound like me, but you're not, in that person's head. So, yeah,
0: I think what I, you're doing is great. And I just want to like note the name of your blog is Full Spectrum View, which mm-hmm. I absolutely love just because that is also, to me, very symbolic of your view. It is a full spectrum view of your view of what it's like to be as an autistic woman. Yeah. And I thought that that was killer. And I and I love that you're using your platform to advocate not only for yourself, but for people like you, or people who are going through the journey that you you know, have already gone through people on their way, I think that there's something to be said about um, how brave you are for not only advocating for yourself, but to continue to advocate for others. In the
1: yes. way that you are. It's it's one of those things of like I said, my brain works in analogies and TV shows and stuff. So another line is um from the show Pitbulls and Parolees where she says, My my um our goal is to rescue, my hope is one day I won't have to. So I would I would love it if one day like I could stop being an advocate because it it is hard work and it's hard to to put yourself out there and to find to find the words and to do all that, but yeah. there's nobody else doing it so it's kind of i want to create a better like if i can have somebody not have to go through the experiences i went through and be able to like show like show their parent if it's like hey mom and dad like here's why the smell of your shampoo is bothering me or here's why i need this here's why i can't work two jobs here's why i'm feeling tired if i can provide that to someone so they don't have to to go through the struggles that i went through then mm-hmm. great. like I said, if one day, you know everybody is using identity first language, which is the um, autistic versus with autism, right. Uh, and like all those stuff is gone. And if someday it's like my work is done, and you know, we're like the right. being neurodivergent is is common and not like everything is good, then then great. But un- until then, i I kind of feel that that personal responsibility to to share my story and to help others.
0: And so my big question is, um, you know, because I I did what I used to do, I got to see a lot of the parents, I got to see how involved they were in the education of their children, and how um, they really advocated for speech and language for physical therapy, occupational therapy, swimming lessons, like all of the things that it takes. And a lot of the children that i did work with on this color wheel had um speech delays right and so they couldn't express how they were feeling so in that regard you're extremely lucky because you've know, you've you know you have the functioning enough to know it you you're able to research it now you're able to say it out loud and your parents are able to fully understand what you're going through because you were able to get to this point, right? So what would be your best advice for parents who have children at home, who are suffering, but can't express how they're suffering?
1: I mean, well, for one thing, they may not be, they may not be suffering. I think part of, actually, one of the things that I have trouble advocating for, because my parents, like, Or making sure that I'm doing it in the right way because I wasn't put through those therapies. Is there something called applied? uh, It's ABA. I forget what the initials stand for. Yeah, it's A a
0: applied behavior analysis, and they do it a lot in schools.
1: Yeah. So one of the things that actually um, autistic adults who went through that as children is it's taking away, like, for example, I actually have right next to me, a a stim toy, a fidget toy. And it's, it's basically trying to teach them how not to be autistic and how to be better in the world. So that in a a lot of ways, that therapy could be what's creating the stress of like, to not like taking away the, taking away the thing that, that brings them, that brings them comfort. Taking it to them
0: after they've completed the test. I always hated ABA therapy
1: yeah, so that um, myself that's my...
0: just because it felt very unnatural to do things in trials of ten like mm-hmm. you know if we're working on um putting a toy away, like you're gonna put the toy away ten times or like match the you know the circle into the circle uh, like it's too it's not natural
1: yes yeah, so, i mean i could,
0: i can I could seek because as a as a therapist who who mm-hmm. had to do it even in like, you know, lessons, I had to be like, well, how many times do the color of the lines type of thing? It's just not natural. And I became frustrated. So I, you actually bring up a very good point. Like yeah, the things that-, that we think are helping could actually be frustrating them.
1: Yeah. And it's like, if you want to help, like, basically, if you're my best advice to parents is if you want to like, try to help them and do stuff like that is do it without taking away things that that bring them comfort. So to me, I'm very much visit, like touch is one of my big things. So I enjoy playing with things like this and have, and like feeling different textures and and moving and fidgeting, but some people are like, orally stimulated, maybe like having the snacks or having something to chew on is that's the, the stimming is like the hand flapping and all that, like doing the whole thing of quiet hands. That's what can allow my brain to This what can allow our brain to focus sometimes is you either need stimulation. So you do the movement or you need the absence of it. When you put the headphones on, you need that quiet space. And if you're trying to teach whether it's a child or an adult, any person, but you're taking away that thing that's helping them relieve the stress, they're going to have a much harder time with it and you're going to upset them. And also almost showing that you're like this need of yours doesn't matter. You have to do it this way. So if I had been like if I was going to enroll someone like myself into some sort of therapy, I would do it of like, like, okay, you're going to practice coloring in the lines, but you need to be bouncing on a ball or flapping your hands or playing with a toy while you're doing it. Great. Like that's right. letting, letting their, like showing them that, that your needs are okay. So if you're, so as a parent, if your child seems frustrated, maybe t- like, I would say take a look at, at why, like what makes them happy? Does having, their favorite stuffed animal with them even in public make them happy and allow them to focus better then then great let them let them have All that right. let them have that thing that that helps them
0: right i think it's great advice i feel like i had like an aha moment with you just now like it's <laughs> like so many of the things that were implemented really were i'm sure a lot of it did a lot of good because i did see improvement but if i had been able to modify that or alter it it would have been much more helpful because I used to do quiet hands all the time and I can't I guess now looking at from my perspective it looks very you know um ecstatic and it just looks like like it's out of body for me so Mm -hmm. of course you're going to be like quiet hands you know we have to learn how to sit still but not realizing that they can't feel good in their bodies unless they are moving around. Yeah. You know? So um, thank you for kind of teaching me that.
1: You're welcome. And that's, that's again, like I said, I think kind of something that's, that's changing a lot now, because even if it's people who can't, um, who don't have the ability to to speak, but maybe they're using a communication device or we're, we're starting to, to change the focus and the narrative from like, Like, oh, I'm the professional and I see this and I know this or like, I know what's best for them versus well, what actually is. And you're getting people who even like, who had that therapy as kids who are looking back at it now, they've had the knowledge and other people are speaking out and going, oh, here's what I wish was done differently. Or people who were literally unable to speak as children because those like the devices didn't exist to allow them to do that, now have the device and now can say, through their, their communication device of, you know, here's how I was actually feeling and here's what I wish had been, had been done to, to help me or done differently and, and things like that.
0: Right. Yeah. The technology really is advancing. And that is to me, what I always found really fascinating. I was super into the trainings and doing all of those things just to give, um, Someone who doesn't have the ability to have a voice to give them a voice through something else, I think is really important. And you taking your voice, and I know you said like it can be tiring, but advocating right now for yourself and teaching people like me things that you know that I that I'll carry with me and I know that I can be more sensitive and more empathic and more understanding. Mm-hmm. Um But I also want to just mention, too, that like you educate on your blog. You have a lot of really cool topics on there, including one that I read about your plates because you are big into food. You're a vegan. Mm -hmm. Um, I know you like working out, too, but, you know, all of these different areas, you take care of yourself and then you write about them. And I think that that level of education is necessary. Like not only did you write about food, but you wrote about sensory issues with food and you Mm -hmm. wrote about portioning and types of food that would be helpful. And I think that those are like resources that people need. Like, how can you travel um, with an autistic person or being an autistic person? How can you travel? Like, these are all just like very necessary topics. I think they were all very interesting to me. Um... So I think that you should definitely keep going in that direction. You know, you, you mentioned neurodivergent before. I've seen you use the hashtag actually autistic. Um, uh-huh. And through each, each of those things, you've taught me something new.
1: Uh-huh. I'm glad. Yeah. I mean, the actually autistic has been something really helpful because it's, it's letting us have the voice. So it's like, like basically if people, so to me, I, like if I see somebody's post and it's got the tag autism in there, I look for that actually autistic tag right. because to me, that's showing like, it's not written by a parent. It's not written by an expert or a researcher. It's written by somebody who's actually experiencing it. And the neurodivergent is, it's kind of a new, well, new for me word that's out there is basically So neurodiversity is saying like, we're all different. Like our brains are all wired differently, but right. there's kind of the neurotypical where you have like, you're like your average person kind of, and then neurodivergent is basically like your brain is fundamentally wired differently. So for me, like I'm autistic, I have other things. Um, yes. Like- I was
0: reading like, it could be ADHD. It could be OCD, yeah. um, ADD. I thought I read depression in there, but I'm not sure. I don't want to say that, but it's no neuro- other neurological issues.
1: Yeah. So like for me, like I like I'm autistic. I also have ADHD. I have dyspraxia, which is like struggling with balance and coordination, um, dysautonomia. Like I struggle sometimes to sense different things in my body and, um, kind of know my place in the world. So it's, but, and these are things that there's no cure for it. There's nothing like that. It's literally, like I said, my brain works really well in analogies. So it'd be like, it'd be like trying to run a PC operating system Uh, like, or trying to run a PC program on a Mac. You can run a PC on a Mac, um, a a system. But if you take a program that's specifically like PCs only and you download it on your Mac, it doesn't matter what you do. You could be the world's best programmer. It's never going to run. And that's the same thing. If you're neurodivergent, whether it's one thing or like me and many other people, a whole, a a plethora of them, which I actually, I don't mind because it kind of, like I said, gives me the, the reason behind what I do and lets the world make sense. But it'd be like, like forcing me to, and when I try to force myself to act like a neurotypical person, it doesn't work. I could keep it up for a little bit. I can try it, but it's eventually the program's going to shut down and it's, my brain's going to shut down. It's not going to work. So it's, it's doing things that, that work for me and like, like travel or even food things like So letting people know it used to be just, oh, like if you're autistic and you're a picky eater, like all you eat is, is chicken fingers, but not. So kind of getting, breaking those stereotypes of, well, that might be true for some people, but it's, here's why. And it's a sensory issue. It's like literally how does the food feel and how does it smell? And it's a whole experience for me. Cooking is one of my, my special interests, like for autistic people, we have those special interests, those things that we're like super passionate about. That's why you can have like a like an adult who's a diehard, like my little pony fan or something that you don't think of as like being, like you think of it being a kid's thing, but they're like completely obsessed with it and can tell you every single fact in the world. So for me, like travel is one of those things and cooking and being outdoors and veganism. Like I have those things that I can get like, or even kind of nerdy, like comic stuff. I can go to Comic-Con and big events like that that normally would be stressful in all those crowds because I'm, it's my special interest. I'm, I'm kind of in my happy place with it. But then for other people, like if you're not big into food and cooking, um, y- if you're really sensitive to the textures, then yeah, you might have those five foods that you eat. And cause that's all your brain can handle. You're not trying to be like the difficult kid or the picky kid or all that. It's, it's literally eating other things is, is painful basically. Right. It's you. just
0: like not being able to move your hands or not being able to stem or. Yeah. It's, it's not comfortable to be in your body when you're, you're not able to do things that make you feel good or. Yeah. It's good or whatever the case might be.
1: And and I've had that too, where I, I like I'll make left, I'll make something. And then a couple of days later, for whatever reason, my brain, even though it tasted fine before the next day, my brain can't handle it. It's, it's too squishy or it's too, like too crunchy or whatever the case may be. I have that right. with nuts, where like, I'll eat nuts for a few days. And then all of a sudden they're just way too hard and way too crunchy. And I can't, I can't handle that. So it's, okay. it's, it's learning. So like, like I said, that actually autistic hashtag is right. Is for sure. Like as we've, as people say, save that for us. Like if, if you're not actually autistic, right. Don't use that hashtag because then it kind of, it's like, well, who really is autistic then? So like, when I talk right. with that, or like, I'll say autistic adult, because there's this whole mindset of like, like, oh, you grow out of autism where it becomes less severe or whatever, but it's like, no, it's still you. You might've developed some co- coping mechanisms or things in your life might change, maybe stresses before. So you like, some of your behaviors are different, but you're still right. autistic. Like I was autistic when I was five years old, even though I wasn't diagnosed with it. I was, right. I was like you don't yeah like like, so
0: like what if and my last question because i know we have to wrap things up but my last question is that so some of the things that you said i relate to and i know you have a blog post about this but so like let's say we're in a conversation and it's not a podcast and you're just talking to someone and, and you're like you know what the next day i really didn't like the way that my leftovers tasted and in my head it's just like i can't eat it anymore or I hate the way a certain type of toilet paper touches me. We're all a little bit autistic, aren't we? <laughs> so, what, so I, you know, I actually have heard that, like in my teaching career, that people have said that, like, oh, we're all a little bit autistic, and I just kind of look at them, like, what's your response to that?
1: So that that's definitely. Uh, so the the short answer is no, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the 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 longer answer is. Yes, there like there are things you know like are not we all but like most humans have two arms and two legs. Like there's there's things that a lot of of humans share in common. But to to do that is to kind of break autism down into these little tiny chunks. So like yes, you may not like like you may not like the feeling of fancy clothes either. Just like I don't. But what you're but or saying like you don't like your leftovers the next day. But what that doesn't take into account is everything else that's part of it's part of autism. Of like, yeah, like, no, like literally I can't turn off the fact because people say like, when you're meditating, like don't, or like come back to your body and feel like your feet touching the floor. I feel that constantly. I feel every single little thing. I sense every little noise and I can't turn that off. So when, if I say like, oh, this shirt's really itchy and you're like, well, I have itchy shirts. Like, well, yeah, you have an itchy shirt, but you're not also smelling the person's leftovers in the next room and hearing the garbage truck outside and all those all those things that your brain can what the neurotypical brain can tune out because it right. knows it knows oh that's not important i can let that information go my brain's like but no i like i lack the ability to filter that so i sense everything at once all the time so right basically yeah to stay we're all a little autistic it's like yeah we all like different foods okay but you have, it's, it's not taking into account that autism is all encompassing in all aspects of your life. And you can't, right. just, as much as I would love to not notice certain things all the time. I can't they're, they're always there.
0: Right. So, well, you taught me so much. I love that answer. Um, I just wanted to say thank you for like, Just sharing your knowledge with me today and just being a part of my life because you're constantly teaching me. And um, I obviously love our conversations. And for those of you who are going to be listening to this podcast instead of watching, Steph will be behind all of the audio from here on out. She is going to be my editor because that's why I don't have many podcasts out. I hate editing. Surprise! (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is something my brain cannot handle. I have decided to delegate that task to the amazing Steph um, just so I could get more episodes out to you guys more consistently. So as Steph did mention, though, she is a web designer. She creates Shopify stores. She has her amazing blog. Um, You can catch her on Instagram at Full Spectrum Steph. And her blog is fullspectrumview.com. She's amazing to reach out to her, give her some time. Um, You know, don't overwhelm her, but reach out to her. And um, did I miss anything, Steph?
1: Um, And you can also find me if you're looking for any of those services at Fullspectrumdevelop.com. As you can sense, there's a there's a spectrum theme going on here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, fullspectrumdevelop.com, just in case um, you need her. I mean, you all probably need her. My website's been in need for two years and I still haven't done it because I can't get the groundwork done for stuff to do. So that is just <laughs> like a whole other topic. Anyway, um, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you so much, Steph, uh, for joining me today um
1: thanks for having me yeah
0: i really appreciate you and i will catch you guys on the next episode